Hey, how are you? You, yeah, yeah. Eleven thirty. You should be a little bit more awake than that. All right. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. I just want to let you know up front that today's message, today's talk, is actually for a very select group of people. So it may not apply to you. Like if you, if if like if like prayer always comes easy for you. And you never have any doubts about your prayers. You've never, your mind never wanders anytime you're praying. You have no guilty feelings at all about your prayer life. Um, If you've never been disappointed by an unanswered prayer, um, if you've never wondered if you're praying the right way or with uh, enough faith, if if you've never wondered if prayer really makes a difference, then today's talk is not for you. For the rest of us, however... We're going to be talking about prayer, and it's part of our Believe series. We actually uh, began this at the beginning of the year, and the first section of Believe was about what we believe. What are the essentials about our faith? But again, we started talking about faith, and and our beliefs are not just what we say we believe. It's what really impacts our life. And so this second second section that we're starting, uh, we started actually last week. By the way, wasn't that great with Pastor Larry and Austin Carr? Was that just cool? Yeah, just living a lifestyle of worship and what that looks like and how that applies even to each one of us, even though we're not all football stars. Um, but, uh, but today, the, the, this whole second section is kind of the, the, that was the what of our beliefs. This is going to be kind of the how. And, and so it's, it's how do you live out these beliefs? And, and particularly, if I believe that there is a personal God who really cares about me and is interested in my life, then how do I live that out? particularly in my prayers, because prayer is really about an ongoing conversation with God. And, and prayer is not just about, Lord, gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, it's about a lot more than that. Um, in fact, in fact, very often those gimme, gimme, gimme parts of our life are those, Lord, I really need you right now kind of parts in our life or those crisis moments in our life are really the things that God uses to move us deeper into our relationship with him and discover more and more what it means to really trust him with our life. And so this book that we've been using kind of as a guide through this whole thing, it is available. If this is your first time at Northgate or or you've been here, but you haven't picked up your copy, it is a free copy. It's available to everyone that's here. We want to get this into your hands. We're actually in week 12 of this thing, but you can pick up right wherever we're at. You can cover the other um, later. Um, But we encourage you not just to pick it up for yourself, but get involved in a community group and, and do this with other people. And uh, in fact, if you're not even a community group, you might even want to pick up an extra copy with a friend. It's $5 for an extra copy. And then just if there's a friend that you've been talking to about your faith and they're asking all these kinds of questions, say, hey, let's, let's have some conversation about it. This is kind of what it's all about. So we encourage you, if you haven't picked up your copy, get one. If you've got one, get one for a friend um, and be a part of this. Today we're talking about prayer and it's kind of the, the how to believe aspect of it. And, and it's, it's so much a part of our relationship with God that, that when, when Jesus' disciples saw him, how much time he spent with the Father in prayer and, and the impact that it had on his life and, and, and the way that he lived in his relationship with his heavenly Father, they actually asked him at one point, Lord, teach us to pray. We, we want that. We want that kind of a relationship with God. And so in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, if you want to turn there, it's where we're going to be. Jesus actually taught them this prayer. Now, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not His prayer. It's actually our prayer. Um, so you might call it our prayer instead of the Lord's Prayer, which is kind of what I just said, isn't it? Anyway, um, so before He gave him that prayer, He gave him some instructions about prayer. Beginning in verse 5, He said this, So 
when you pray, first off, do not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Jesus did not give us this prayer to be recited mindlessly just vainly repeating it over and over again. In fact, he actually gave instructions about that, that that's not how this whole thing works. This is really about your relationship with God. It's about an ongoing conversation. And this prayer that he gives us is, is, yes, it's good to recite. In fact, we're going to close our time together reciting it together. But but it's more important that you use it. It's more to be a springboard, if you will, or, or an open door into a deeper prayer relationship with God. And so what we're going to do today is what I'd like to do is going to go through each section of it phrase by phrase and talk a little bit about that. But then what are the implications of that? Because what I'd like to encourage you to do this week is to pray this prayer each day, not just reciting these words, but using each phrase as a springboard to personalize it for yourself. Okay, so. There's an outline here, and, and I encourage you to take... By the way, we're up, upgrading our app, and so we're not able to do the notes on the app right now. That'll, hopefully, we'll be having that for you up and operational next week. So today, you're going to have to do it old school, you know, paper and pencil kind of a deal. But I really encourage you to take these notes, not so much for the outline itself, but for each of these phrases, because I hope that it will spur you on in your prayer life. And when we pray, first of all, when Jesus talks about, I think the first thing he tells us is we pray with humility. Now, humility is not groveling, begging in the, dust, in the dust before God. In fact, it's just the opposite of that. But it is clearly identifying the relationship. And so he starts with this. He says, when you pray, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, when Jesus invites us to address God as our Father, he is introducing a whole new concept and a whole new way of entering into prayer because that would not be normal um, the way people would pray. So what he's doing is he's inviting us into a personal relationship and, and I'm recognizing that relationship. And that's true, by the way, in any conversation that you have. Um, if you meet somebody of importance, like if you were to meet a senator, you wouldn't just go, you know, hey, die, you know. You would say, Senator Feinstein or, or Hey, Senator, you know, whatever you would, you would use their title because they're, they're, you know, they're above you and they're, you know, they're important and and they've earned that title. But in our close relationships, we address people differently. In fact, in in our family, we have pet names for each other. Um, My little granddaughter, not so little anymore, but when she was first born, she was just a little peanut. And so she has always been my peanut. She's grown up. She's well, she's growing up faster than she should, but um, she's nine years old now. We're going to be nine years old, and, and, but she's still my little peanut because that, that's, that's my relationship with her, and I for her am Papa because I'm too young to be a grandfather. 
so I'm Papa, which actually worked out pretty good because from what I understand, on her dad's side of the family, um, her, one of her cousins really had a hard time with this whole thing and didn't know. So, so he's known as Peepoo or Poopy or something like that, but I'll, I'll take Papa any day, okay? But that's the nature of our relationship. When Jesus gives us the opportunity to address him as our father, what he's saying is, you've got a, you've got a relationship with God that is unique, that he sees you as his son and your daughter. And he wants us to know, no matter what your, your earthly father was like, that you have a father in heaven that is loving and caring and tender towards you. Because you see, your perception of God, what you think about God, we heard, I had heard a speaker this week at this conference that we were at. He said, what you think about God is the most powerful thought you have. How you perceive God your prayer life will rise and fall based on your perception of him. And if you see him as angry, if you see him as miserly and stingy, then your prayer is going to be a whole lot different than if you pray to him and you see him as loving and tender and caring. So when he says, our father in heaven, he says, you have a loving, tender, caring heavenly father. And and by the way, when we say Father in Heaven, that like, seems like really ethereal out there, you know, somewhere out beyond the last planets or universes. I don't even know where that is. But in the ancient world, um, literally, it's translated Our Father in the Heavens. And in the ancient world, and actually a little bit in, in our day, we, there was kind of this different layer, layers or levels of heaven. There was the, you know, the beyond the atmosphere, out in the planets and the stars and all that. But, the, but it was also as close as the air that I breathe. And so when he's teaching us to address our father in in the heavens, what he's saying is your father who is as close to you as the air that you're breathing right now. Understand that. That he cares about you and it is personal. And as close and personal as he is, though, he is also very, very different. And there's these two contrasting truths about it. He is close and personal, and yet he is hallowed. He is holy. He is beyond. He is powerful. He is beyond what I can possibly imagine. And yet those two truths come together in the opening of this prayer. That as powerful and as great as he is, he is close and he is personal. And hallowed be your name. That's an expression of worship. That's an expression of praise. And it's part of our prayer life. We are acknowledging that there is a God who is far more powerful than we are. A God who is great and awesome and loving and caring all at the same time. Hallowed be your name. It's an expression of worship. It's an expression of praise. And, and, and it's not because God is insecure and he needs buttering up, you know. And it's not that he has a, you know, he needs an ego problem that needs to be soothed all the time. It's just that praise is... C.S. Lewis writes about this. He says, worship and praise is the natural expression that we give to someone or something that we love or enjoy. In other words, it comes naturally. It's, just, it's what we do when there's, we're with someone that we really like. We, we tell them when, when we're doing something that we... It's why people post pictures of food on Facebook and Instagram. Because I'm having this great meal, and you just got to see what I'm eating right now. And hope you're a little jealous, too, at the same time. No. But, but that's the expression. It just naturally comes. Ima- imagine this. Imagine having courtside seats right behind the bench at the Warriors playoff game this weekend and not being allowed to cheer. Yeah. That just doesn't make any sense. And expressions of praise are what we give to what we enjoy and what we love. 
And so when we're praying, what we're doing is humbly acknowledging that there is a relationship here that is so close and so personal, yet I cannot get my mind around it. Our Father in heaven, as close as the breath that I breathe, hallowed, powerful, honored, holy is your name. He goes on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a prayer of surrender. In every one of us, there are two kingdoms that are constantly in conflict. There is the kingdom of God, and then there is the kingdom of Ken, or insert your name here, okay? And they are in conflict. And the kingdom of Ken is all about my wants, my comfort, my desires, my, you know, my fun, my agendas, my everything, okay? And that is always going to be in conflict with the kingdom of God. And I know it, I know it, because the kingdom of Ken, I know what, that I live most of my life in the kingdom of Ken. And I know it because when I'm living in the kingdom of Ken, that's when I get frustrated. That's when I get angry. That's when I get perturbed. That's when I lash out at people. Now, not too long ago, um, my wife and I, we were on a trip, and it was one of those travel days when it was just like, just, you know, just, it, it seemed to me like everyone around us had gotten a serious case of the stupids. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Okay. Now, I'm glad my peanut is not here in this service, because she would tell me, Papa, you're not supposed to say stupid. But you know what I'm talking about. It's just like everybody, it was just like, what, you know, and, and, and it capped off at the end of the day. We were getting in a taxi from our hotel and we were going somewhere and we get in the taxi cab and we get in there, we tell him where we're going. He starts the meter and right alongside of him pulls up the tour bus and blocks the road and then waits for everybody to get out of the tour bus and get their luggage and get across. And it's not like fully blocking. There was a little bit of space, but just not really enough for him to get through. And meanwhile, the meter is going $6, $7, $8, and I am doing a slow burn in the back seat, and I'm saying, come on, come on, honk, just let's go, get these people out of the way. That is the kingdom of Ken. Because the kingdom of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control so i know very well when i am in the kingdom of ken and when i'm in the kingdom of god and don't look at me you know like i'm the only one because you all got your own little kingdoms going on when i pray your kingdom come what i'm saying is god your kingdom is far more important than mine your agenda is much greater than mine. Your ways are higher than mine. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's a prayer of surrender. I give up. There is a God, and it is not me. So your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just in my life, but that my life would be a part of bringing up there down here. That I am now in partnership with you, and your kingdom is more important. And today, I want to be a part of what you are doing in this world, your agenda, your purposes, your will. I want to be a part of that. And the kingdom of God is far more real than the kingdom of Ken. The kingdom of Ken consists of all the things that I can see. 
All things that I can touch. This is reality. But the kingdom of God is far more real. And it is unseen. And when I pray this prayer, I am reminding myself. In fact, that's what Jesus talked a little bit later. He talked about when you pray, he says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. To remind yourself whose kingdom you belong to. So we pray with humility and we pray with honesty. He has given us this incredible privilege. In fact, not just given us the privilege. He has encouraged us to come to him just the way that we are, honestly. Honest about my needs. He goes on. Give us today our daily bread. Now, that is not a phrase that we are that familiar with because we have more than enough bread for today. We have bread that is going stale right now in your cupboard. Or maybe lasting a little bit longer if it's in your fridge. But we've got more than enough. To the people that Jesus is instructing, they lived pretty much day to day. And and to pray the prayer, give us today our daily bread. What I'm saying is, I am trusting you to supply all that I need today. For us, the translation would be, God, what you give to me today is enough. And I will be content with that. You know what I worry about? What I'm anxious about most? The future. That's where I worry. And what I'm saying, give us today, give me today, my daily bread. What I'm saying is, God, my future is in your hands. Now, I, it's not that I don't plan for my future. But I'm just saying, my future, that's, I, I've got little control over that anyway. Right here, right now, today. Because sometimes I'm so worried about the future, I'm not living in today. So when I pray, my daily bread. What I'm saying is, tomorrow, I'm leaving in your hands. Right here, right now, today. This is... This is where I need you. And you might do it this way. You might pull out your calendar and look through the appointments that you have scheduled or the conversations you're going to have or the meetings or the tasks or whatever. And just say, Lord, today I'm going to need you in this. I'm going to need you in that. It's, 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 it's a daily surrender. It's a daily asking for his help. And he gives us. And, and by the way, there is nothing too small that you cannot bring to him and nothing too great that you cannot bring to him. He's given us the privilege of all of that. He just simply says, ask. Leave the answers up to him, but just ask. It's okay to ask. Honest about my needs. Also, honest about my failures. He goes on. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is about confession. And and I love what... um, what Neil Plantinga put, he said about this, he said, confessing our sin is like taking out the garbage. Once is not enough. How often do you need to take out the garbage? He says, be open and honest about your failures. Be open and honest about your sin. When we sin, we put ourselves in a, we, we, we disturb our relationship with him. And the only way to make it right is to confess. By the way, whatever you confess to God, you are not going to catch him by surprise. (laughs) There is nothing that you're going to bring to him and say, you know, God, I kind of messed up over here. He's not going to say, oh, I didn't even know about that one. (laughs) It will not catch him by surprise. I guarantee it. The confession is because you need to be honest with yourself before him. He already knows. But, but you know how it is, husbands and wives, you know this, husbands particularly, you know this. When you've really messed up bad, and you know that you've messed up bad, and you know that she knows that you've messed up bad, and you know that there's this kind of this tension in the relationship, and you know it's not going to go away, 
And if you say what's wrong, she's going to say nothing, but you know it's something. <laughs> you admit it. Because that's the only way it's going to restore the relationship. And by the way, he goes on, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus does this all throughout his teaching. He ties our forgiveness from God with our ability to forgive everybody else. They, they are inseparably linked because you cannot hold on to God's grace and forgiveness of you and hold on to a grudge against somebody else at the same time. You can't. And the reason for it is this. Whatever it is that you ever have to forgive somebody else for pales in comparison to what God has forgiven of you. And you do not fully understand the grace and forgiveness of God until you've had to forgive somebody else. Because the hurt and the anger that you have to let go of and the pain that you have to absorb on their behalf, that's exactly what Christ did for you on the cross. Times like a thousand. So he links them together. And I need to be honest about that. And part of that prayer is, Lord, where do I need to go and make amends? Where do I need to go and ask forgiveness from somebody else? Where do I need to go and let go of something that somebody's done to me? And then honest about my vulnerability, my weaknesses and my struggles. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, God is not going to lead you into temptation. What the prayer is saying, God, I know, I know that I am being led. At any given moment in my life, I know that I am being led. And I'm going to be either led in my own way or I'm going to be led in your way. This happened to us not too long ago. Betty and I had an appointment, and it was at an office building, but it was this building, one of these nondescript buildings in Walnut Creek. And it doesn't have the name of the company on the outside, but it's it's in there. And and we weren't really sure where it was, so we typed in. We've got a, a GPS navigational system on our Jeep, and so we typed in the address, and we followed the directions, and we're following the directions. And you know, at the end, it's a little checkered flag there on the screen. Then that's where you want to be. But to get there, it was kind of a one-way, and you had to go down. We had to cross over the freeway, make a U-turn, and then come back over the freeway to get to the entrance of that building. So we're going. We're following the GPS. And we get across the freeway, and then all of a sudden it changes, and the, the flag is not here anymore. Now the flag, the checkered flag is over there. And it's like telling us, no, that, that address is not here. It's over there. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You just told me it was back there. And I had to make a U-turn, but now I'm going to make the U-turn, and now you tell me don't make the U-turn. Now I've got to go over there. So I turned to my wife and said, look it up. Ask Siri. Because you always want to trust Siri, right? And so sure enough, she calls, she types and calls up in Siri, and Siri says, no, no, it's that one back there. Now I've got two conflicting... GPS's. Who am I going to trust? Trust Siri. Of course, always. No, but, but here's the thing. In your life, you have like two different GPS's going on. And God is saying, this is the path you want to be on. But inside you're saying, yeah, but I kind of like this path. No, no, no. This is the path you want to be on. Well, are you sure? Because there's a checkered flag over here and I kind of like this path. And, and I, know, I don't want to go all the way down there. I just want to take a few different steps in that direction. Because what's the harm in that? He says, no, no, no. This is the path I want to lead you on. Yeah, I, I, I want to get there, but I also kind of want to take a little side trip. I don't want to go all the way there. I just want to take one or two steps in that direction. And before long, I'm over here in the shadow. And I'm where I didn't want to be. And I'm saying to myself, how did I end up here? You ended up there because right back here, you made a decision to go down that path. 
And you thought if you just took one or two steps, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You thought if I just take one or two steps, I'm not going all the way there, just a little bit there. But you, the paths always lead somewhere. And when I choose my own path, this is where it leads me. And so when I'm praying, lead us not into temptation, what I'm saying is, God, I need to follow your path. And the time that I make that decision is here when I'm at this point, not when I'm way down that path. Because the further I go down that path, the harder it is to turn around and get back this way. Which, by the way, you always can do. That's why he gives us the confession part of the, of the, of the prayer. But I'm saying, lead me not into temptation. God, I don't want to go down that path anymore. I want to go down your path. But deliver us from the evil one. Because do you know we have an enemy? And that enemy is constantly whispering in our ear about the things that we naturally have a desire for anyway and makes false promises. He is a liar. He is a false promiser. And he keeps saying, yeah, but if you go down this path, there's some good stuff down there. If you take just one more step, you're not really doing it. You're just kind of... You know, checking it out. And he keeps whispering and keeps lying and keeps making false promises. So we not only need to be led in the right direction, we need him to protect us from the whispers of the evil one. How often do we not pray that part of the prayer? And then he says, pray with expectancy. Now, in many of your Bibles, this last section um, really is a, a footnote because our, our Bible, our English Bible is made up of translations and it's from manuscripts that have been found over the years. And, and not every manuscript, many of the manuscripts don't have this last section of the prayer in there. Um, but Christ followers have included that as a part of the prayer ever since. So whether it was actually the words that Jesus taught as that prayer or whether it was just the, what was added later because of the practice of it, I still think it's the best way to end a prayer because what it says is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What I am doing is I am reiterating everything that I have just prayed. It's your kingdom, God, not mine. You are God and I am not. Your kingdom matters more than anything else. Your agenda, your purposes, your plans, that's what I want to see. Yours is the kingdom. That's the reality. And it's your power that's going to make that difference in my life. It's your power that's going to make that kingdom come. It's your power that's going to make it happen to me. And I am surrendering my ego and my pride to say, you deserve all of that glory. I don't need the attention anymore. It is your kingdom, your power, and your glory forever amen and amen doesn't mean signing off over and out catch on the flip side amen literally means be it so be it so make it so this is what we truly want or i love the way um uh, one translator put it that is just the way we want it amen Do you bow your heads with me? So we're going to close a little bit differently. And I just want to remind you, what we truly believe around here is that there is nothing so lost in your life that it cannot be found by God. There's nothing so broken that he cannot mend. And there's nothing so dead in your life that he can't resurrect. But what we're going to do in this closing is acknowledge that. And we're going to pray this prayer together, but I want it to be done meaningfully. 
And so we're going to start with each phrase. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Not raise a hand. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you are here today and God seems so distant and so far and your relationship with him has gone cold and today you just need to know and affirm and acknowledge my heavenly father who loves me, who knows me, who cares for me. And you need to affirm that today. I'm going to invite you in that phrase to stand up. To just say, God, I need to know once again and acknowledge you love me, you care for me. You, I am your son, I am your daughter. Don't be shy. Because we're all going to end up standing eventually. Just been feeling distant from God. Yeah. Good. Good. This is the first step to acknowledge it. Maybe it's a conflicting kingdom issue. There's an area of your life that you want to be so in control, and yet God is telling you it's time to surrender, it's time to give up. And your prayer has to be today, Lord, your kingdom, not mine. Stand with me. Stand with us. Or maybe it's a part that he's calling to you to be a part of your kingdom come. God, with me, with me, through me, may your kingdom come. Stand. Stand and join us. If it's about forgiveness and you just need to be honest with God and say, Lord, here it is. You know it already. I confess. Or forgiveness that you need to give to somebody else and you're just willing to say, God, This is hard for me to let go, but I'm going to forgive. If it's about a worry in your future and your tomorrow, today your prayer is, today, Lord, my daily bread, and I will be content with that. If it's about a struggle, an issue, a temptation that you have been struggling with over and over again, and you know it keeps going down that path, even though you know that's not where you want to end up and you know that the promise at the end of that is so short-lived and you just want to say, God, lead me, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from this evil one. Or it's a surrender issue. Yours is the kingdom. Lord, I am weak. I need your power. Lord, I am prideful and I want to give you glory. Stand with us. And if you're not standing right now and none of those really hit home for you, then I'm going to invite you to stand with us and reach out and put your hand on the shoulder of someone near you who is standing. And you don't need to know what part of that prayer is where that hits them. But today we're going to pray this prayer together. And we're going to do it not in vain repetition. We're not going to do it with meaningless, thoughtless words. We are going to pray this from our hearts together. And wherever it hits you, Make this your prayer as we pray it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
be it so. It is just the way we want it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.